Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast equivalent of Ronnie Bell in space. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you half velociraptor, half man, crawling through the kitchens of a Jurassic Park. How the hell are you? Doing well, man. It's like the first time I saw just a super happy Tom Hanks movie. It just sticks with you for days on end. And I'm still relishing in the fact that what the Wolverines did to Michigan State was just so enjoyable. Man, I yeah, I'm absolutely still in awe of what we witnessed. Maybe a more enjoyable win than the Notre Dame one. I don't know. I think so, just because of despite the rival being down, it's still a rivalry game. It still meant so much. Even in 2016, Michigan handled the Spartans, but they came back late, made it closer than it should have been, and just wasn't as satisfying. You know, you got the win. But just the satisfaction of just pummeling them into submission was missing. We found that on Saturday, though. It really was. And also the way that it happened. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the slop fest and Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet running the ball down Notre Dame's throat and that great defensive effort. But we have been waiting so long for that passing performance that I was just elated to sit there and watch those receivers go off like that, to watch Shea Patterson get over 300 yards. It was, uh, it was a long time coming. 
yeah, a different player scored every touchdown. Patterson was just dealing to whoever was open, didn't care who it was, just picking this team apart, looked super poised in the pocket. This easily Shea Patterson's best game of his career, not just at Michigan, his entire career. Yes, it really was, and uh, I'm happy to eat a large helping of crow right now on this podcast. I had been critical of Shea Patterson in the coming weeks. I was saying I don't think we're going to see the 300-yard game at this point. I called him an average quarterback. Um, I, I am happily eating crow today because that was that was incredible, man. Have yourself a day. When you break any record that's previously held by the GOAT Tom Brady, which was most passing yards against Michigan State, you're doing something right. You're absolutely right, man. And uh, just spreading the ball around the most confident throws. I mean, it's hard for me to pick a favorite throw on that. The uh, the third and 20 completion to Sean McEwen um, down the center of the field was pretty great. But man, that ball to Nico Collins was right where it needed to be for that touchdown, was it not? That's easily my favorite. Just it was <laughs> it was such a knife to the chest of Michigan State. Turn uh, after a big play, turn right around, take a shot right to the end zone. It's just perfectly executed. Oh my God, that was poetry. Yes, yes. So let's back up though. A critical moment in the game though that's uh, it's been discussed a bunch because I mean it was so big was when they got pinned back at the two. Still a close game at that point. Uh, tie ball game at that point. You drive 98 yards uh, doing it with a mixture of you know run and pass. Shea Patterson with his legs on that. The best drive of the season, I would say. Hands down. That was unbelievable and you you forget halfway through that drive they started at the two converting third downs moving the sticks not being denied Joel Cloud on the call was talking about when you're backed up in your own end like that you just need a couple first downs and this was the same drive they completed that third and 20 or 29 to Sean McCune just when you thought everything was going to be over and you're going to punt the ball back no they found a way and did it and they did so with a lack of a consistent running game Michigan's leading rusher was Giles Jackson, who had 32 yards. Yeah, no, they were they were doing it primarily through the air and uh, just very impressive because they haven't been able to do that before. Another thing Klatt said was that in, in years past, if they couldn't run the ball, they were kind of out of luck. They couldn't just sling it around like that. Um, but they have ever since the, uh, the Penn State game been steadily improving, steadily improving and had just a tremendous day there. Uh, the offensive line gave him a ton of time um, I mean, on the 98-yard drive. I don't think that that Sean McEwen catch was on the 98-yard drive, though. That was right after um, the Tariq Black flex, which got called back for whatever reason. Sean McEwen uh, had two pretty big ones. That might have been one of them. He did, yeah, he did have another catch on that drive, I believe. But, yeah, we faced third down twice on that drive. But the beginning of the fourth quarter was a masterstroke. Uh, Kalik Hudson with the, with the punt block kind of – is where we really started to put the boot on the throat. Yeah, and that punt block was just a one-on-one effort. Michigan wasn't even in a punt block. They're playing safe because, you know, Mark D'Antonio likes to get a little screwy with trick plays, and they're creative, and they're often work. Kalik Hudson just made a one-on-one move, dove back there, blocked the punt, and just completely busted the game wide open. After that point, the score right after the game was over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They didn't want to be there anymore after that. And Khalid Hudson's just been coming on and on. One of my favorite players, man, the pride of McKeesport. That's my dude right there. Just plays angry. And, uh, yeah, the way that he he swam around with that move to get that punt block completely sealed the game. Like you said before, right after that's the touchdown to Nico Collins. Uh, you get another one later on to Cornelius Johnson, the freshman, for good measure. So, I mean, just passing it around. Nick Eubanks had a touchdown. McEwen, we already mentioned. Um, and then Ronnie Bell. 
Ronnie freaking Bell, man. Two stars, going to two star, as you mentioned in your article, one of the most critical components of this Michigan offense now. Wide receiver number one. Wide receiver number one by a lot. Although he's yet to score this season, he leads the team in receptions and receiving yards. And his 150 were just incredible this week. Every time Michigan needed to play, Patterson would lean on Ronnie Bell. I have a quick trivia question for you. You up to it? Always. Last Michigan last Michigan player to have over 100 yards receiving. Easy. Oh, uh, probably Jeremy Gallon. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, no, it's, it's uh, Jay Hugh Chesson. Zach Gentry last year had 112 against Maryland. What? Seven for 112. <laughs> yeah, the la- but then then you're on track. J.U. Chesson and Darbo both had uh, 100, several 100-yard games in the early Harbaugh tenure. Darbo is the last one to go over 150. Zach Gentry with a with a bill. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. Good trivia question. Seven for 112 from Zach Gentry. Yeah, well, Ronnie Bell, though, uh, a, a very impressive 150, man, the way he was able to get to that. Just uh, he, he and Patterson seem to have a really good connection where he just stays with the play, keeps working with Patterson across the field and just finds those soft spots. And once he makes the catch, I mean, he's he's got great hands. And once he makes the catch, he knows what to do with it. I mean, he's a, he's a weapon, man, just getting better and better every game. Not bad from a basketball player, one of the most maligned players after the Penn State game to become one of Michigan's most important moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a huge part of next year as well. I mean, I imagine he's going to have a big, big year. I predicted uh, we'd get a wide receiver over 1,000 yards this year. I don't think that's going to happen, but Ronnie Bell next year, I feel good about that one. Yeah, and I think he's the perfect complement to the bigger receivers and really opens things up for them in the one-on-ones. Like Bell got a lot of work. Tariq Black had some. He's been the most underwhelming, but Donovan Peoples-Jones took that flare route in the end zone, just felt so effortless, like Michigan State had just given up. It really made no sense how we scored on that play, but we'll take it. Yeah, I have no idea how Donovan Peoples-Jones gets some of the corners that he gets, but man, was that a saucy play. Donovan Peoples-Jones is just loaded with sauce. And I felt so bad for Tariq Black on that flex play just because he's had so so much bad luck, I feel like, with him, with injuries and just other people getting up ahead of him on the depth chart because, I mean, lack of playing time, I mean, lack of practice time and stuff. And I just really wanted that for him. That was a bummer. I hope he comes back next year in uh, in this attack with Ronnie Bell and Sainer still. I think that'd be really good for both him and the team. Yeah, I think there's no way he doesn't at this point. It's just about getting trying to get one of HUD, um, Nico Collins or DPJ back. Um, but before we talk about defense, I want to stick on the offense. I want to point out two people. One I brought up in my article, which we love on him so much here, is John Runyon Jr., who's just outstanding again. And very subtle, not MVP, but important, was Andrew Vastardis coming in cold for Cesar Ruiz and throwing shotgun snaps and capping off a scoring drive. That was just incredible to do and impossible to explain how difficult that is. Yeah, great props to the offensive line. Uh, That was who you picked for your player of the game, I believe, was John Running in that one. He had a great game once again. I mean, the dude's gone up against Epinesa, Willicks, and uh, and Yatur Gross-Matus at this point with Chase Young still on deck. We need to keep hyping this matchup, man. I'm ready for it. Yeah, this is a heavyweight fight coming up. The Michigan offensive line was just fantastic. Both tackles were outstanding. Patterson 
is healthy, just keeping him upright. And the fact that they did this without the presence of a running game just shows how developed they are. The pass protection, Ben Van Summeren, remember how to pass block? They even brought him in just to do such thing. Like, the whole – I can't say enough good things about the offense. Yeah, everybody was playing. There was a couple oh my moments from Jalen Mayfield too. I mean, he drove some guys back, and he was driving back like Kenny Willickis and those guys. So very impressive on the offensive line. Um, and good call on Andrew Vestardis. There was really no drop-off when he came into the game. Uh, Shea Patterson and Ronnie Bell were your co-offensive players of the game. You had it as John Runyon. I thought it'd be a Hassan Haskins game. Uh, it was definitely Patterson and Bell that won the day. Uh, going to the defense, though, uh, a, a stout defensive performance once again. Michigan State was able to do some stuff early on um, against that bracket coverage. They were getting the ball out of Lewerke's hands quickly. And to his credit, he started out making passes and then all of a sudden just forgot how to, I guess. <laughs> they had a good game plan trying to get the ball out quick and in space and attacking the coverage. But Don Brown did a good job of adjusting everything in the secondary and Harbaugh touched on it in his post game that they had anticipated their adjustments. So they not only adjusted, but adjusted to their adjustments and then adjusted appropriately. So this is some 3d chess going on with the Michigan coaching staff. And it worked brilliantly because the Michigan state offense had no clue what to do most of the second half. No, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. And you're absolutely right. This was a masterstroke of coaching. Um, you know, I've, I've read several other writers that said the same thing. And up, upon my second watch through this game, the coaching really does show up. Um, I mean, they realized that they weren't Michigan wasn't getting much done on the ground. So they, they went with that attack. And on defense, you're absolutely right. Don Brown made the adjustments that he had to. Uh, Ambry Hill or Ambry Thomas and Lavert Hill, excuse me, co-defensive players, both with picks, both Michigan guys. That's great to see. They were locking it down. That, that was Ambry Thomas struggled a little bit early, was getting picked on. And then just as you start to doubt him, boom, interception. Read it perfectly. Bad throw, but made the right play at the right time and then just completely changed the narrative. And that's what you like to see from your corners. Even though you may be having an off day to begin with, it doesn't dictate your future performance. He was outstanding. And Lavert Hill continues to just be shut down on his side. And then just the disrespect to intercept the ball, shove a guy and flex on him and not even worry about playing football anymore. Just slowly step out of bounds. Oh my God, I loved every second of it. Man, that was some petty stuff and you know it. <laughs> You're still in bounds, like just talking smack. That's the Detroit in him and I love it. I love it too, man. LaVert Hill has come on and on and on. I think he's a day two draft pick now. What do you think? He might even shoot up to day one with his preseason hype. The way he's coming on now, he is sticky, man. Oh, he has completely flipped his season. He struggled early on, and then even more in the secondary with Metellus, Vincent Gray playing better, um, Brad Hawkins, just, yeah. just consistent week in and week out now. That whole secondary is just is complete. Yeah, they were talking about it on the call as well, about how many defensive backs we had on the field. Because, I mean, you want to get guys like Daxton Hill and Vincent Gray on the field. So, I mean, when we play small and fast like that, there's just a ton of speed. Dax Hill's getting better. Uh, he's all over the place. Like you said, Lavert Hill, very sticky. Ambry Thomas, it, he can go up and down, but you like what you get with Ambry Thomas. He's a heck of an athlete. Nice size. Um, Khalid Hudson's been improving. Defensive line had a good day. Mike Dana, what a he's he's really a boon for this defense. He doesn't get much, uh, enough love from us, I don't think, but Mike, Mike Dana had a great game. 
Yeah, he's been playing really well of late, stepping in. Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson's an animal still, just constantly disrupting. All the stunts, they're able to run with this defensive line and twists and movements and confuse offensive line is something they couldn't do last season. You have these guys. You have Carlo Kemp, who's versatile inside. Chris Hinton's playing some. Michael Dwum for all the combinations of speed they can put out there. Honestly, everything they're doing defensively this season feels like a counter to what happened against Ohio State last year. Michigan's defense was just too slow, couldn't adjust, couldn't move, couldn't switch things up. I think every piece on this defense is so versatile, they're going to put them in the best position to succeed in 11 days. I think you're you're right, man, and especially what you said about it being an adjustment to last year. Urban Meyer had a comment on the on the post-game report where he said, if you just lock in on man-to-man against athletes, they're going to burn you all day. He's like, if you don't have the ability to go to some zone. He said that, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure that that's a direct jab. And yeah, Don Brown, to his credit, has totally changed up his tendencies and realized that, you know, if you have the absolute best athletes in the on the planet, yeah, that might work. But Ohio State's probably going to have better athletes than us every year, so... You've got to adjust, and to his credit, he has, and he's put our guys in great space. Very New England Patriots-esque, where you, very, the, yeah, where you use your personnel like that. Very much so, adapting to the players and instead of vice versa, having the players adapt to a scheme. And Michigan overall in this season has the 11th-ranked scoring defense and the 39th scoring offense. But just in the month of November, when this team really turned it on, they are the number one scoring defense in the country and the number 12 scoring offense. Yeah, that's very impressive, man. We were talking about it off air. That's just not how Novembers have typically looked. Uh, the Harbaugh teams have started really fast, and then they've kind of petered out. I mean, think about that Iowa game and some really tight Indiana games, Not and then you know leaving out the Ohio State finishes, of course. So this team actually looks to be picking up steam as the, as the, the year is ending, and I'm all about it. So... Uh, Let's uh let's go over our predictions here. I had Michigan over Michigan State 28 to 6. My players of the game Hassan Haskins and Lavert Hill, so I got one of the defensive players of the game. Uh, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I take that. I mean, we both p- predicted blowout, so I feel like we both kind of won on this one. Yeah, you were closer though. You had it 34-3 with Runyon and McGrone. Um I mean, I'm all right with the Runyon call, but I think it was pretty clearly a Patterson or Ronnie Bell day. Oh yeah, you just you know, I'm a John Runyon stand at this point. And also, while we're eating some crow about certain players, Quinn Nordine, question mark? Yeah, right. Comes in and confidently drills a 49-yarder. Yeah, I suppose we should probably eat some crow. And if we're being honest, like if he is the savior of our kicking game, we probably have a lot of crow to eat. <laughs> I feel like if Quinn Nordine hits a game winner against Ohio State, we have to get Quinn tattooed somewhere. All right, I'll consider it. I'll think about it. I got a butt cheek or two. That's what I'm saying. I got some places that it's not going to be super obvious. Like if he wins it for us, I'll I'll ride the lightning with you. (laughs) Respect. I'm with you. (laughs) Um, All right, man. So uh, yeah, we've got Indiana coming up next week at Memorial Stadium. Tough place to play. I mean, it's not a huge stadium. So uh, we'll get into that Indiana game when we come back right after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. Michigan travels to Bloomington, Indiana to take on the Hoosiers this week. The 7-3 Hoosiers, who have always been pesky, they've taken Michigan to overtime the last two times we've been to Bloomington, but are now legitimately good after taking Penn State to the wire in Happy Valley last week. Um, I'm, I'm nervous about this game. This is definitely not one that Michigan will be overlooking. I'm sure Harbaugh, Gaddis, Don Brown, they're, they're taking this game very seriously, as you have to. But let's get into it, man. Where do you want to start with Indiana? I'm scared. <laughs> this is the game I picked Michigan in the preseason to lose in the trap game between Michigan State and Ohio State. Let's start with Peyton Ramsey. The kid is deceptively mobile, can get outside of the pocket, can turn on the Jets. And when he's on, he can deal pretty well across the field to a myriad of receivers. Yeah, I think this guy's going to get a shot to play on Sundays. He's big. He's fairly accurate. He's completing 72.7% of his passes. Threw for 341 against a pretty good Penn State defense. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. He was supposed to be their backup. Uh, But, I mean, this dude can deal, and he's got wide receivers to do it. Uh, Before we go any further on Peyton Ramsey, Indiana has wide receivers named Ty Freifogel and Wap Fillier. Yeah, if we lose because of somebody named Wap Fillier, I'm just going to quit. Wap Fillier sounds like he was a mustachioed pitcher on like a 1910 Brooklyn Dodgers team. That's like a, a Civil War surgeon. <laughs> That's just somebody you look that, you know, made a significant impact in the Industrial Revolution for doing something completely irrelevant now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was like a professional boxer, but also worked on the docks. Yeah. So you were a great pugilist, but your name is Wop. <laughs> Wop Fillier and Ty Fry Fogel. But it's like a legit passing attack. Uh, I mean, especially Wop Fillier. He's only 5'11, but the dude is pretty smooth. He's quick. Uh, they like to get him the ball out in space. Uh, similar to kind of how we use Ronnie Bell and DPJ, they're going to try and do that with old Wop Fillier. Yeah, they are the number one ranked passing offense in the Big Ten, putting up. 314 a game. So Watt Fillier and Ty Froff, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Fry Fogel. Well, Ty Fry and Wop are very productive. <laughs> God, I wish we had uh, Gus Johnson on this call because he'd be the best. Ty Fry Fogel. It would be the best. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a potent passing offense, as you said. And Stevie Scott, their running back, is also legit. I mean, the dude's 6'2 and He's quicker than you'd imagine for 6'2". So, I mean, our corners are going to have their hands full. Like, if Lavert Hill wants to play his way up to day one, this is a, this is a good game for him. I mean, they're going to be asked to do a lot in this one. Yeah, and who's Stevie Scott's head co- or position coach? Mike Hart. 
Exactly. And this haunted Michigan a little bit last season. Indiana running backs have had success against Michigan teams no matter how south they've been. They ran all over the place in 2015. My God. And that triple overtime, just stress fest. But Indiana hasn't beaten Michigan. Who was president last time Indiana beat Michigan? Do you know? Uh, I do not know because that's not how I gauge time. Ronald Reagan, 1987. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, they're going to play Michigan tough. It's going to be a close game. Stevie Scott will have some production. Their running attack has been subdued this season. I believe they ranked 12th in the Big Ten as compared to first in passing offense. But they'll get something going. Have no doubt that Tom Allen, who celebrates any minuscule victory in a game, as you remember last season, will, yeah. will cock up some game plan to give Michigan some fits early on. Yeah, you said it. Uh, Stevie Scott is good, but the the rushing offense hasn't necessarily been there this year. Uh, they only got 60 yards against Penn State, and I think that's a pretty good comparison because Penn State is talent-wise pretty close to Michigan. So, I mean, if we can hold them to that 50, 60 yards rushing, that'll be fine. It's going to come down to what we can do um, as far as our pass defense, and that's really what this game is going to come down to. Um, on defense, I mean, this is a top-20 defense, though. Um if you're going to go at them, way to do it seems to be on the ground. Um, they have a, what is it, number 50 rush defense. So, I mean, with a with the, with their rush defense and, you know, Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet, who sat out the entire second half of that Michigan State game, something tells me that uh, they know they're going to get called on these last two games. I think so as well. Michigan will have to be more balanced against teams like this and especially against Ohio State. Their rush defense is pretty average. In terms of the Big Ten, they rank right around eighth. Pa uh, pass defense is fourth, so more respectable there. So definitely better with passing and against it, and the opposite on running the football. So I think this could be a very big Hassan Haskins day. And despite, you know, you'd see the overall numbers of Indiana offensively and defensively being what they are, take a look at Indiana's schedule with me. Gather around. <laughs> All right, Indiana's victories this season. In order. Ball State, Eastern Illinois, Connecticut, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern, and their losses, Ohio State, <laughs> Michigan State, and Penn State. Yeah, and they let Michigan State, that offense that we just witnessed, put up a 40-burger on them. A 40-burger from Michigan State. They, just, they couldn't move the ball. So, yep. Brian Lewerke threw for three bills and three touchdowns against them. Yeah, it's not a good look. And Shea Patterson is feeling himself right now. Those wide receivers are feeling themselves right now. Um, so even if we're not able to get something going on the ground, which I think we will, um, our offense right now is humming. So uh, it'll be interesting to see just how, how we try and slow them down. I wonder if they'll try and go with a bigger lineup. Um, to try and make sure that we're stopping the run or if they'll kind of play it similar to how we did against Michigan State with that smaller lineup, more defensive backs on the field trying to match their speed with their wide receivers. Uh, it'll be an interesting matchup, but I, I do like our offense scoring in this game. Any fear of the trap game? I don't think it's a trap game. I mean, I think they know exactly that this is a good team. We're going on the road. You can't, I mean, they're thinking about Ohio State, but you can't get too far ahead of yourself. So I'm, I'm sure that they're they're locked in and ready to go for this one. So, yeah, it's possible. Indiana's good. Things happen. Um, but I really like the way our team's playing right now. Uh, Josh Gaddis has that offense humming, man. Shea Patterson's got some confidence, and we got a stable of wide receivers starting to emerge. 
I think I think we're going to put up at least 34 points. Yeah, this game, I'm not too concerned about the outcome as long as the outcome is victory. Michigan could win 6 to nothing. I'm not going to read much into it. They could put up be 42 nothing. That would be very impressive, but still again, not going to read too much into it. This is just survive. Get to the next weekend. And we'll talk all about that next weekend next week, but this is all about just getting through it. Don't trip and fall on yourself. Get to that last week. Yeah, yeah. They know they've got a quality opponent. doesn't really matter how they win, but I will say if they build on what I saw against Michigan State and this offense comes up and puts, out another, puts up another 40-burger, man, I'm going to be so hyped heading into that, that game the following week. I expect a similar performance to what we saw from them against Maryland the week after Notre Dame. When they went on the road, Giles Jackson set the tone early. Maryland moved the ball some, but Michigan prevailed 38-7. to I expect something similar to that, but a little closer because Indiana, despite having played a season full of cupcakes, is still a better team than Maryland. Yeah, Indiana's a much better team than Maryland. They beat Maryland, but they, they played Maryland tight, so it's it's hard to get a gauge on exactly how good Indiana is. I think a lot of these fringe Big Ten teams – could on any given day upset like a Michigan, but could also lose to, you know, Eastern Michigan. You know, there's yep. not that big of a, of, of a talent, talent gap, I think, between some of these fringe teams. Yep, and Indiana has the history of playing Michigan tough, especially in the hardball era. Two of the four years, both on the road, have gone into overtime. So this one could be obnoxiously close, or it could just be kind of underwhelmingly boring, and Michigan wins easily. But either way, just get through it with a win. It's all we care about. Yeah, I think Indiana's going to score some points. So uh, let's get into this, man. Let's get some predictions, players of the game, maybe some stats if you're really feeling uh, frisky. You go first this time. I went first last week. All right, all right. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, I like your call there about it being like a Maryland-type game, albeit a more talented team. Um, So I think Michigan's going to come out, and they're going to try and just set the tone and then run the ball. Um, I don't know that they want to be flinging it around as much as they were doing last week. I think they did that because of the rush defense that Michigan State had. Indiana does not have that kind of run defense. I think they'd be okay with shortening this game and uh, and running the ball. That being said, I think that they're going to be able to score on this defense, and this offense is hitting, a str- hitting its stride. So I'm predicting at least 38 points for Michigan. Um, and on the other side, so I'll go 38 Michigan. And for Indiana, I could see them coming out, and definitely this is going to be tight at the half, I figure. Um, they're going to be able to score some points as well. But I think that Michigan, ultimately, when the game matters most in the third and fourth quarter, is going to lock them down. Uh, they're going to pressure the quarterback, get Peyton Ramsey on the ground, Aiden Hutchinson, big day for him. So I think 24 points for Indiana sounds about right. So I got Michigan 38-24. Uh, my players of the game on offense – uh, man, I, I don't want to go against Shea Patterson after the game he had. Um, but like I said, I think that they're going to want to run the ball. So I'm going to go with Hassan Haskins in that one. Um, picked him last week. So that actually, so I'll go with Charbonnet. I'll go with the Charbonnet game. And on defense, give me Aiden Hutchinson. I think that he's going to pressure the quarterback. He's been our most consistent pass rusher. I think late in the game, he comes up with a sack or two in this one. I like it. Good choices, respectable scores, a little closer than I think. I just, it's hard for me to see Indiana score 24 points against Don Brown's defense right now. 
I could see it, man. I, I think that they will be able to, and I think this is a really good game to get us ready for Ohio State. We've got to figure out like a way to stop that passing attack that has some athletes. They've got a decent running back that's big and can break tackles. This is a good warm-up for Ohio State. I think they'll be able to score some points on us. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong, but what, what, how do you see it? I know Indiana only scored 38 against an FCS school, so I just I value them down just a little bit. Yeah, but I they s- did score against Penn State last week. Yeah, Penn State looked a little hungover after the Minnesota game. Possibly. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm with you, though, the way you see the game playing out for the most part. I see Michigan establishing the run. Uh, we didn't even touch on the Hassan Haskins Wildcat formation. Ooh, um, I like that, too. Yeah, I love that wrinkle. I think we'll see some more of that. I have Hassan Haskins having a big day, going for 158 and two scores. Hmm, I have Josh Metellus on defense. It's my player of the game. Having a big day with not one, oh, well, not one, but two interceptions. Going a little off the rails here. I think one's more realistic, but you know, why not? Give me two for Metellus and the coverage as much as they're going to be trying to air it out and force the ball. Peyton Ramsey, you know, channels the energy of Richard Lego's pass and just chucks a couple to us. Uh, final score Michigan 31, Indiana 10. As I said, similar to the Maryland game. Give them a field goal more. Michigan scores just a little bit less. Gets the job done. Runs out the clock. This is a quick game. We're over by 3.30. Man, I like it. I like the way that you see it. Uh, that would be a, an absolute beatdown of a quality opponent. A fringe top 25 opponent. So, I mean, that that would be great. Um, I like your I like your prediction. Two picks for Metellus is, is bold, but uh, I'm with you there. Uh, so, I, I'll, I'll throw out two touchdowns and a buck 10 for Charbonnet. And Aiden Hutchinson, two and a half sacks. Aiden Hutchinson is unreal good. <laughs> so good. All the best players on our defense, except for Metellus, are coming back next year. Well, and Lavert Hill has been coming on. Yeah, we lo- the linebackers will take a boom because we lose Hudson and uh, Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you bring back McGrone and Hutch, like that's enough to make you feel all right. Yeah, Josh Ross. There's a lot of pieces coming back on the defense that are super talented. Yeah, Vincent Gray's getting better. Brad Hawkins. Is a, we don't talk about Brad Hawkins enough. He's money back there. It's because he sounds like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know Brad Hawkins, the the swashbuckling buccaneer from the 14th yeah. century? Yeah. Or it's like, you know, Br- familiar. Yeah, Brad Hawkins. Maybe I watch Muppet Treasure Island too often, but that's Maybe. what it reminds me of. I don't know how you got pirate name on a Brad Hawkins. It's a, it's a pretty standard name. No, it's a pirate, okay? <laughs> uh, so I wanted to look around at the college football landscape. You know, we've got Indiana here, and, uh, you know, looking ahead, save Michigan runs the table. I wanted to I wanted to put this scenario out there, what would be basically a nightmare scenario for the college football playoff committee. So Michigan wins out. You've got a one that would give you a one-loss Ohio State. You assume they're your champions. And then Georgia wins the SEC. And, and then everything else holds serves hold serve how would you deal with that like with just four teams you're going to have an undefeated clemson a one loss georgia sec champ a one loss ohio state big 10 champ one loss oklahoma or baylor champ one loss lsu one loss bama one loss oregon as the pack like it, it, it could be such a mess this year it could be a mess and it's how much you value the championships and it's about what team do you think is best? If LSU runs their gauntlet season and then loses a close game in the SEC championship, does that just throw away all those quality wins, like beating a full-strength Alabama team and everything else? That's a nightmare 
I would not want to deal with it. Uh, Clemson would have the easiest route because they won all the games on their schedule. <laughs> yeah, you know, that would be the, the, the no brainer, even though they haven't played anyone of, of value this entire season. Um, you could say that about Alabama as well. You could kind of say it about Ohio state, but Ohio state's schedule gets a lot more difficult in these last two weeks. But I mean, I mean, Michigan has a chance here. I mean, to do, I mean, to have a great season for one, if you end this by beating Ohio state, Indiana, and that would be a great, great season, the best under Harbaugh. But you could also really shake up shake up the landscape and push things towards an 18 playoff. Absolutely. That's a good point. That Michigan could have larger implications if they go undefeated, run the table the rest of the way, and other things fall as they will, like one loss Oregon or even one loss Utah as the Pac-12 champ, that Oklahoma or Baylor follows through, and everything else falls in place. But Michigan can play a large factor in that because – as much as Minnesota's fun this season, I think Ohio State would obliterate them. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They would beat them by 28 points, I imagine, something like that. The spread would be like 21 points. Yeah, sorry. You can row the boat to the Big Ten Championship, but Ohio State's going to sink that thing quick. Michigan's the only team that's going to ha- like give them any problems, I think, the rest of the regular season. I think they even handle Penn State because it's at home. Yeah, their schedule just once again lines up so well for them. Their only tough task before the Michigan game, they get it at home. So really, I mean, hopefully Penn State can at least give them a challenge. But the landscape is set up to just be absolutely chaotic this year. And yeah, like you you phrased that perfectly, Michigan could have bigger implications, you know, on on the national stage with how this season finishes out. And uh, not like you needed any other excuse for us to be tuning in, but just one more narrative to keep an eye on. Yeah, and it'd be fun to just watch other teams and fan bases become irate when their team gets left out. It's like, guess what? You shouldn't have lost this one game. You win all the games in your schedule, and you'll get in no problem as long as you're Power 5. If Michigan does win out, though, they would be the top-ranked two-loss team in the country, I believe. 100%. If you, you beat Ohio State, who is statistically one of the two best teams of this century, yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll get into them next week. We'll probably go at least an hour trying to talk about the nonsense that we got to deal with uh, to end the year. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us tonight, brother. Anything else from you? The college football regular season is only 11 more days. Enjoy it. I just read that, man. It's so sad. It comes and it goes so quickly. It's fleeting. It is fleeting. So enjoy these last 11 days. Enjoy the anarchy on Twitter and people yelling about just completely erroneous things. Enjoy it. Enjoy it all because you're going to miss it when it's gone. Seriously, I'm not putting on pants on Saturday. I can't wait. That's that's the perfect way to end this. Yeah, <laughs> that, man. All right, that's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. Uh, make sure that you like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all of your shows and content wherever you get your podcast by searching Maze and Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Follow Maze and Brew at Maze and Brew at Andy underscore Bailey one at Blue 87 We will be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Brew. I am Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, you